Okay, Tzorayim Tov, we continue in the Sefer Nefesh Shimshom. We're on page Shin Samach Aleph. The name of the chapter is called Baruch Shem Kavod Malchusoli Olam Va'ed. However, the class title will still be Shema. It's going to be called Part 8. Why? Because the first half of the chapter, in order to get to the Baruch Shem, he explains more of the Parsha. Okay? So that's why I'm still going to call it Shema, but it's going to lead into Baruch Shem. Okay, so again, we understand how awesome is the Kriya Shema. We know that the Kriya Shema has 248 words, actually 245. However, when we say the words Kel Melech Namun when we're davening alone, or when we hear the Chazan repeat, Hashem MMS, it fills us up to 248. 248 major organs of the human being. Every word parallels every organ. If we miss one word of the Shema, it's like we're missing the spiritual perfection of that body part. But if that's the case, then we call the person handicapped. In other words, a Kohen could only serve in the base of Hingshim. He didn't have any blemishes. It didn't, have, it didn't have to be a major blemish. Not a major, missing a finger, it's a blemish. So, therefore, the Shema is the spiritual energy behind those body parts. And therefore, if you miss a word, it's a blemish. You got a blemish individual, so to speak. That's what Gomorrah says. You have to be very particular when you read the Kriyashma. Because every letter, every word is important. It's, it's, it's parallel to something. So really what's happening, when we are saying the Kriyashma, we are building up the Jew anew every morning and every night with all 248 body parts. We're unifying every body part to Hashem. And if you're going to say it fast and skip a little bit of the words, so that part is not going to be unified with Hashem. So, you know, we don't know exactly which word goes with which body part. But uh, if you're not going to say it properly, some body parts will be damaged spiritually. You're a damaged person, so to speak. And then your avoda suffers just like low alenov. A person has a handicap. It's harder to get the job done. You might get it done, but you got to spend a lot more time doing it. And believe me, if a person has a choice to be handicapped or not, he'd prefer not to be handicapped. You want to go through the day, you got can't be handicapped. Or to go through the night, you can't be handicapped. So this is the complete building of the Jew. Now, so there's all kinds of big uh, secrets in the Shema. But all of a sudden, Something comes up that's most unusual. In the middle of the Kriyashma, and the Kriyashma are three chapters in the Torah. And Shema and Ve'ahavta is all part of one paragraph. In one paragraph in Sefer Dvorim. And as we just got into the Shema, all of a sudden we interrupt the Shema. With the words Baruch Shein Kemod Machusolam that are not in the Torah at all. They're not part of the Shema. That's number one. And we whisper it. 
So on the one hand, we put it into the Shema. On the other hand, we kind of separate it. As we know, it's a very interesting idea when Yaakov wanted to reveal the Mashiach to his children, but then the Shekhinah went away. And Yaakov was afraid maybe one of his children is not on the proper derech. So he asked them, and they said, Shema Yisrael Hashem, Elokein Hashem Echad. Just like your heart is only one heart for Hashem, so is us. So at that time, Yosef responded, Baruch Shem Kavod Machus Omboed. So how do we understand that? Now we put that to the side. That's the introduction to Baruch Shem. Now we're going to spend a whole day going back to the Shema, and understanding another aspect of the Shema, so then we can begin to understand what the Baruch Shem is actually doing. And that's the real point. The Shema, like, okay, we understand what we're doing. We're, we're, we are expressing our, 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 the truth of the unity of Hashem. So where does Baruch Shem come into play over here? So we go take, as Pincus usually, he'll digress into certain areas, and then he'll come back, and they'll come back and come back till we get to everything again, which will probably be tomorrow. The world depends on rain. Without rain, the world will not exist. The Talmud says the day of rain is as great as the resurrection of the dead. Then another rabbi says it's great as the day the Torah was given. Another rabbi says, as great as the heavens and earth were created. And, you know, and the truth is, as great as all the blessings that Hashem brings into the world. You know, Torah, life, everything. And even greater than all that, the Gemara says, is the coming of rain. So what's going on over there? And the answer is, on that day, that when it rains, so to speak, Hashem is literally pouring down goodness into the world. Okay? And that's why we got to have clouds. Without the clouds, we'd be totally destroyed by the rain. So Hashem has to make a little mechitza after mechitza to minimize the amount that flows down this great chesed that comes down. Okay, now, how did the rain, how does the rain come into the world? Now, we know when Hashem created the world, he says on the third day when he created the vegetation, the vegetation was just subterranean. It didn't grow out because there was no person to work the land. And Rashi says, why did it not rain? There was no person to work the land to recognize the kindness of the rain. So why should it rain? When a person comes into the world and understands how important rain is and he davens for the rain and then it comes, the rain comes down, then the Vegetation comes up. Okay, so so what happened? So Hashem created the whole world in a potential. Everything is there, but in reality, it didn't come. Why? Because there was no person to work the land, no one to recognize the goodness of the rain. So when a person comes and prays, that's when the rain comes down and then the vegetation grows. So let's try to get to the real truth over here. When it rained... After Autumn Davin, was that the very first rainfall in the world? Yeah. You'd think it is. But if you go back a little earlier, you'll see that's not so. We were told there was a mist that came from the earth that quenched the face of the earth. 
And the Medrash says, in order for Hashem to create first man, Hashem needed water to mix with the dirt. You got to make, the dirt alone can't make man, you have to make a man cake. So where did the water come from? There was rain. Hashem brought mist. Okay, which, which got the clouds all full of water, and then the rain fell. And if there was no rain, there would not be any life at all. There'd be no first man who would ask for the rain. After the first man was created, then he has yearnings to Hashem to bring the rain. So really it's the second rain that Hashem brought for the fruits to grow. The first rain, which is really the point of the beginning of life, came from Hashem before man was created. So now, the first rain, therefore, can be viewed as a gift from Hashem in order to create the first man. After the first man was created, he now prays for the rain to come a second time, which means that from now on, it's man's responsibility to develop the yearnings for Hashem that the rain should come. The first rain was a gift from Hashem. But after that, it always has to go ask from it from below. Okay. And then it'll come down. Okay. Uh, if a person wants the rain, he has to bring up his prayer through Avoda that ascends. And then the rain will come down. The flow will come down. It will provide everything we need. And now when it rains and the crops grow, now we have what to eat. We have strength, and now that we have strength, we have the ability to pray to Hashem, and it's a virtuous cycle that goes on and on and on. So therefore, what is the rain cycle really dependent on is that we have to lift, raise up our yearnings for Hashem through prayer, then the rain comes down. The Gemara Tanya says, there isn't a tefach of rain from above, that doesn't have a, a depth that comes out to it that's three tfachim deep. What does that mean? So an esoteric level means rain is an expression of bracha. And we won't get a drop of bracha, all the bracha in the world that comes, unless we have three tfachim of deep desire of man. When man pleads with Hashem for it to come, then it will come. This is the concept of rain. We see this in the, alluded to, in the way Rabbi Shimon and Gamliel would rejoice in the Simcha's Beis HaShoeva, the festival of the water drawing. He would take eight torches of fire and he'd throw it up, up and then it'd come down, up and down, juggling the torches and not one tor torch touched the other. Sami's playing games. He's trying to make, oh, look what kind of good juggler he is. But there's a deeper concept over here. And the deeper concept is hinting to the idea of how do we bring blessing down into the world. So what do we do? We throw up a flame, a yearning, an excitement, a request from Hashem. I throw it up. I, I'm on fire with my request from Hashem. And then what happens? The fire comes down from heaven. We've opened up the heavens, 
and now you got that. And that's all hinted to, this was before what? The Simchas Beis HaShoever, where we did what we drew water and put it into the Mizbech. We want the gates of heaven and all blessings to be open. So just like he's throwing up the, the torch and it comes down, so to understand prayer and rain, this all is one connected. If we want blessing to come down, we have to be the ones to initiate. So here's the point he's laying down right now. That Hashem will always start the ball rolling. He'll always give you a freebie. The freebie is the rain, and nobody ever asks for the rain. And sometimes Hashem asks, you know why? Because there's nobody to ask. How are we going to create man? We're going to have, okay, man, you're going to ask for rain so we can create you. Well, he's not here. He can't ask for it. So Hashem has to give us always the first ones a freebie. So he brings the rain so he can create man. Hashem's okay. Now that you're created, no more freebies. You want rain? Go bring it. How am I going to bring it? You ask for it. Otherwise, it ain't coming down. That's the assode he uses that really has nothing to do with our topic, but we'll have everything to do in one moment. Yeah? So how much is three tefakos with? How much is? Three tefakos. Well, I don't know exactly, but it's got to be deep. Deep, yes. It's got, you know, it could be with your nefesh, ruach, and neshama, those three levels. It's got to be a real depth, not superficial. Like one tefakos, uh, just a little bit. You got to go down, deep, deep down, and ask for it. This is all esoteric explanations. <laughs> okay. So now we're going to get to the Shema and dissect it in one new way again. And we start with the word Shema Israel. Listen up, get ready, because you're going to receive something now. And what's that going to be? We call this the Shefa Rishon, that first flow. Just like the first rain was given the man for free, so we're going to get this first one freebie. And what is that we want you to receive free? Hashem Eloikeinu Hashem. Okay. So Hashem is like, this is the reality. Listen up. Hashem Eloikeinu Hashem. Hashem is, he's everything. Now, what do we do? We receive it. Then we send it back to it. And how's that? By saying Echad. In other words, Shema Yisrael, get ready to hear and receive the flow of intellect. The first rainfall. What's the first rainfall? Hashem Elokeinu Hashem. That is such a, a rainfall of the mind. Unbelievable. But now you've got to do something. Right? Respond to that. So what is that? That's Echad. So we, re, we return that to Hashem, okay, and we say Echot. Now, he explains a little bit what, there's a big difference between Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu and then Echot. In the holy earlier books, they call Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem is called Katnus, it's called smallness. And Echad is called Godless, is called greatness. So what does that mean? So it's like this. Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem, this is the first concept that man can understand. 
let's say in a natural way, and this is the idea of the creation by design. If you see a table, what do you automatically know? Somebody made the table. There's no question about it. Any item you see, you know, without any doubts, there's someone who made it. If you're going to say it made itself, the guy's nuts. Okay, so let's talk a look at what Hashem does. He makes an eye, he makes a brain, he makes a flower, he makes a worm. Okay, so L'choyra, it should be pretty clear, eh? Should it be pretty clear? But all of a sudden, we get confused. When you see somebody writing a beautiful poem, you know somebody wrote the poem. You see a beautiful world, for some reason, we get confused, which is really shocking. This great opportunity to see really a Muna up front and alive. It's the greatest miracle in the world. But Hashem conceals him. Okay? Hashem really is a power that is so overwhelmingly obvious that can be seen in every area, every atom in the world, every body part, the whole world. Yet Hashem can conceal himself. Isn't that amazing? That people can become atheists. As the Pesachim Yeshaya says, You're a God who hides. Hashem is so powerful to the point that he can hide that he's the one who's doing it. Isn't that true? In spite of the fact that we all could know there has to be a cause for something, we could look at this whole world and not notice it at all. So when a Jew would go into the Beisam Mikdash, which was such a pure environment, then all of a sudden, a person's eyes are opened up and he realizes Right, and then the person wonders how is this possible until I walked into the base of Mikdash I didn't see God anywhere and all of a sudden I go into the base of Mikdash and that environment is so overwhelming and that's the whole purpose of the base of Mikdash and the Mishka that we're talking about this week's parasha why do we need a Mikdash you look at the whole world you don't see Hashem anywhere you go to Mishkan, then you can sense God, so you know it's got to be somewhere else. Just like, for example, when you are tired and you want to get a good smell of smelling salts, what does that do? It wakes you all up. You're all woken up. But wait a minute. Didn't only your nose smelt it? Why is your whole being woken up? Because it's all interconnected. So we can, so to speak, go through life asleep, Go to base of Migrish, that's the smelling salts. It wakes you up, that's the nose. And you're awake, and now when you go out, the rest of the body's awake. All right. It's like the person is saying, wow, like, oh, I've been living a lie. Let's say a person is looking for something he lost. All of a sudden, he sees it right in front of his eyes. Ever happened to you? So that happens, someone goes to the base of Migrish. All of a sudden, even though Hashem was there the whole time in the world, all of a sudden, boom, there he is. That's the charm of the base of Migdash. That's what's going to happen when Mashiach comes. And that's what every Jew davens the Amido. And that's what happens when Shabbos comes. 
So you got the base amigdash, davening, Shabbos, everything according to its level is able us to be a, uh, aware of the Shechina. That we begin to see that this great um, concealment of the obvious truth all of a sudden becomes real to us. And what do we call this? We call this a gift that we received from Hashem. When you close your eyes and say Shema Yisrael, we're getting a big gift. Shema Yisrael, get ready for the big gift. What's the gift? Hashem, Elokeinu, Hashem. Just like Baruch Ato Hashem, Elokeinu Melcholam, for anything you make a bracha, that's a gift. Shema Yisrael is a gift. A gift that comes from Hashem. Our eyes are open and now can see something clear. Right? Now, every child understands and knows there's a creator in the world. Every child sees there's bread to eat, clothes to wear, eyes and legs, mother and father. He knows that Hashem is our God. And he understands Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem. This is called katnus, smallness. Why is it called smallness? Meaning to say it's not worth that much. Why? Because it's clear. There's no chiddush, there's no insight. Is there any new truth being revealed to us? Right. It's it, it's a it's a clear thing. However, um, there there should be a big chiddush. Why? We have to t- penetrate through the darkness. That Hashem created. Let's explain. In other words, this is this is a true reality, but the real trick is echad, and that's not so simple, because that's finding Hashem deep, deep. Let's explain this. If I ask any of you, is there a creator of the world? You're going to say yes. That's no chiddush. That's no chiddush. We know it's. But to say echad, that's the Kiddush. Why? What's echad? That means even after God created the world, he's still the neshama of everything. He fills everything up. He supervises everything. And that's something that our little seichel has a lot of trouble understanding. We need a lot of emunah that Hashem is, so to speak, very personally involved with every aspect of our lives. And Hashem is very pained on whatever happens to a person, what he does. And there's not even a little ant who moves his leg without Hashem realizing that. All right? And Hashem did not give supervision over to anybody else, not to a malach, not to a shliach. He's the only one. And that's what we say uh, in the morning, Atahu Achloni from you're the one before the world was created, you're the one after it was created. That unity that Hashem was the only reality before the world was created is still now. And whatever we call nature, no, that's all Hashem, as the Nevi Shachayim speaks about in great detail in all the holy books about this. Okay. And that. 
a child does not understand. A child knows that a carpenter makes the table. And of course, Hashem makes the world. But we've got to take away the darkness, the mechitza that's in front of our eyes. That echad needs a lot of work. And that's why I say, Hashem will to Hashem. That's small stuff. Okay, Hashem created everything. But echad, that's the big stuff. That's why we extend the way Echad is What? That's why we extend the Yes, word. yes. Now, how do we get to that understanding of Echad? So when a Jew says, That's the gift from Hashem. His, uh, his, his, he, his head is opened up. Hashem gives him the truth that there really is a creator of the whole world. He's the Balabais. He is our Lord. He's interested in us. He loves us. He's close to us. Hashem's the one that always will be in every case. There's nothing else. He'll never change. Now you take that wondrous gift that you got from Hashem and you say, Echad. Hashem, you gave me a wonderful gift and on this gift, there's something what to add. And what's this? I take the wondrous gift and I attribute it to you. It's all you. You are the only one who can, does this. There's nothing else besides your dominion. I'm giving it all back to Hashem. Even my soul and everything, it's all yours. Okay. And at that moment, when we return the whole world to God, as the Gmar Bracha says, when you say Echad, we coronate Hashem above, below, four corners of the earth. That's what we have to have in mind. At that moment, Hashem gives us divine assistance to understand the depths of what Echad means. And that depth that we return, uh, that we got, um, or better yet, when we return it back to Hashem, then what happens? We Hashem sends it back again. And our eyes get stronger again of Hashem Echad. So it's, it's like Hashem is bringing that first rain, so to speak. And now we get this great gift. Okay, Hashem gives us a great gift, but are we giving it back to Him? Are we saying, thank you very much? that you gave us the gift, and now we're giving the gift back to you. We're ascribing that, and it's really true. It's not just, yes, Hashem created the world. It's wonderful. But how about the fact that, Echad, that you were, and we say, yes, you created the world, and I'm telling you, it's all you. Some people say, yeah, Hashem made everything, and I can do whatever I want with it. No. So we give it back to Hashem. That's the Echad. So now, the question is, but really, have we done anything that's new? Have we created anything new? Again, let's understand. Hashem, Elokeinu Hashem, is a true reality. And that's what Hashem is giving it to us. And we give it back saying, we agree. What it really means, it really means not just that you you made it, but you're echad. It's all yours. So what are we really doing? Hashem gives us the information and we're agreeing to it. 
in its true reality. When we wake up in the morning, we think we're the ones who are doing everything in the world. I got up. I did this. Right away. No, 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 no. Hashem is pouring in that reality. And we have to give it back the way it was meant, the way he gave it. Not just with a half interpretation, but with a full interpretation. That's the greatness to give it back. Ah, so where does Baruch Shem Kivod Malchusol come in now? Now, We've set up the Baruch Shem Kavod Machus We've come to that point of recognizing the Echod. But now that we've done that, now we're going to do something new. And that's the Baruch Shem Kavod Machus Because up to this point, we haven't done, we haven't said or done anything that was new from our side. Okay? Even though we're willing to give up our soul and accept the, and, and understand things, but we didn't come up, we didn't make up anything new. So all we're saying, okay, we got it now. Hashem, you gave us this truth. And we accept the truth. We give it back to you. And we will live by that truth. Is that all it was meant to be? Is this the whole purpose of the Kriyishma? That Hashem gives us a truth and we give it back to him? So he gives an analogy to a father who asks from his son that he wants him to give him something. As I said, the father asks for a glass of water. What does the kid do? He brings him an espresso. Okay. So now, what, what does that mean? By doing more, what does that mean? One child gives the water, one person gives, one child gives the espresso. So the one who gives the water means he listens to his parents. The one who gives the espresso is declaring how much he loves his father. Right? In other words, the, the connection, there's a deeper, truer connection the child has to the father. Right? Something we're not commanded to do we do because we love. And that's why we say the rabbinic Torah is so precious for Hashem when we come up with extra ideas of Torah. We say we're going to keep the Torah. But the rabbis give certain stringencies. That's just how much we love everything. So now we will see tomorrow that Baruch Shein is like this idea of giving something back that's more. That's what we're doing with the Baruch Shein. The Shema is Hashem saying, okay, I want you to believe that I'm one. Okay, we believe it and we understand what it really means. What it really means. Fine. But we haven't done anything new. God says, Here, give me a glass of water. Here's the glass of water. Now, some kids who says, why should I give you the glass of water? Here, Hashem says, can I have a glass of water? No. Oh, boy, that's bad. What do you mean? I'm your father. Well, so much. I know you. Do you know you're, I know you're my father, but I don't have to give you a glass of water. What do you mean? You're my father. Just give me a glass of water. No. Hashem will get a Hashem, but I don't have to give you a glass of water. Echad means I have to give you a glass of water. Yeah, but how about the, the espresso? Hashem will get a Hashem. Echad is just the water. We have to come up with the espresso. What's the espresso? That's Baruch Shein. Now he's led us to Baruch Shein that we will discuss what are we giving Hashem new. That will be tomorrow's lesson. Mm-hmm.